Amen. All right, so uh, you guys missed uh, a fabulous worship set, and um, we're not exactly sure. We, we've uh, upgraded everything there is to upgrade here at the church for the internet. We've got fiber optics, and so I'm not here to make excuses. We really is a mystery why we lost the stream a moment ago, so um, we were trying to get the word out to everyone. Same deal, by the way, on Sunday's sermon. Uh, that was my error. I had the wrong uh, wireless mic transmitter i had the one that i normally use in the sanctuary on um but uh if just moving forward if we have those kind of technical difficulties y'all just be patient with us um faith and patience amen uh bible says something about that and no, i'm just kidding but uh be patient with us and we'll get it up and running so hopefully not too many folks dropped out and um and will join uh back with us so uh so praise god um tonight we are uh going with uh, discipleship class uh, number 28, and these are abbreviated versions of what's normally a two-hour class, but we're going to condense it down and hit the high points and be led by the Spirit, and I believe uh, the Lord's going to help us uh, tonight. Amen. So let me put the uh, drawing back up that we had on uh, last Wednesday, and the, the Bible teaches that uh, God is a, is a three-yet-one God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And they said in Genesis, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So a three yet one God created you and me, a three yet one being or a three yet one man. And the three that are you, the Bible identifies, is spirit, soul, and body. And uh, an understanding of spirit, soul, and body and what the Bible has to say about it uh, will really help you understand um, many, many things that have confused a whole lot of people in the body of Christ. Let, let me just give you a couple of examples uh, of that. First of all, um, we read in the Bible where it speaks of our salvation in the past tense. Um, so the Bible, you, you find verses that talk about you having been saved, uh, speaking of your salvation as a past completed work. Now, you can also find other verses in the Bible that use the expression, are being saved. So again, the, the, the grammar here is, is speaking of something that is ongoing, right? And then if you keep reading the Bible, um, you see that, and I'm, I'm going to put it up anyway, although I did a typo here, uh, you see where the, the Bible talks about will be saved, will be saved. It talks about our salvation in terms of you know, being complete at some point in the future. And so one of the things that we have then in the body of Christ is denominational lines are drawn around um, you know, what individual denominations or groups believe about these different verses. Some believe that you have been saved, and once you're saved you can't lose your salvation. Others believe it's an ongoing thing. Uh, others believe that you, you really won't know till you get there and stand before Jesus, and, and He'll give you the thumbs up or the thumbs down. Well, again, all of that's uh, completely wrong, right? And if you understand spirit, soul, and body, and what the Bible teaches about salvation... Uh, watch this, and I hope the light bulbs go, on, go off in your spirit tonight. This part of you has been saved. Uh, your spirit was born again. Uh, it became one with God. Uh, amen. A new creation. That's why the Bible says all things became new at that moment. Um, and so this part of you is, is a completed work. Uh, this, so when the Bible says things like, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified, this is the part of you that has been perfected forever Hebrews 10 14 this part of you your soul is the part that is being saved it is the ongoing work it is the work in progress 
And then your physical body is um, the futuristic uh, work of salvation. This is when uh, your mortal will put on immortal, the Bible says. This is when your flesh and, and bones uh, will become a glorified body. Now, um, I had some folks that, that joined with us last week that haven't uh, been a part of the classes. And by the way, let me, let me just give a shout out. There, there are folks that started um, uh, back in August with us and had basically attended 26 classes in a row, some of them without an absence. And, um, and then, of course, you know, all this changes and we can't assemble together and all this stuff. And, and of course, those folks are hanging in there with us uh, online. A lot of those folks are part of Heritage. A lot of those folks are part of the Foundry. We've got folks that are part of other uh, fellowships and, and, and families of faith. And so, listen, y'all know who you are. I'm giving you a shout out. Thank you for... Um, uh, your your perseverance, your diligence, and, and uh, I don't want you to feel cheated. Amen. Obviously, this is the 15th time we've gone through this material, and uh, if Jesus doesn't return, uh, 2020, 2021, we'll make it number 16. Amen. So anyway, but let's, let's go back to it. We had some folks that had joined the class uh, last week uh, by the live stream, and, 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 and so a lot of the other classes that we've already, things we've already covered, obviously, uh, me going over this uh, brought up some questions. And, and a lot of those questions uh, that I received had to do with what I mentioned briefly last week about a better understanding of, of what the Bible teaches about death. And, and so the best thing you can understand about death is that death means separation. And the Bible teaches two different kinds of death. Physical death, spiritual death. Physical death is when your spirit and soul separate from your physical body, amen, spirit and soul separate from the body like a hand slipping out of a glove. Spiritual death is something altogether different. That's when your spirit and God, and, and God are separate. In other words, your spirit is separated from God who is spirit, all right? So spiritual death is separation. Your spirit separated from God's spirit. That's what happened to Adam and Eve when they sinned. Physical death is when spirit and soul separate from the physical body. And so the Bible says to the born-again believer to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when that spirit and soul slip out of that physical body, we return the body back to the ground from which it came, but the spirit and soul go to be present with the Lord. Now, if we could somehow fast forward through time, this was a lot of the questions that I got uh, from last week that had to do with, so what happens to this part of us, right? Um, if, if, if Jesus tarries and, 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 and we die at a wonderful old age, 120 years, whatever you believe in God for, amen, and, and our body is buried, and then Jesus blows that, has them blow that trumpet, not Jesus, but, but they blow the trumpet, rapture happens, and the Bible teaches us what, that the dead in Christ, those who were in Christ Jesus, born again, and, and died, that their bodies uh, will be first resurrected, amen. And then every born-again believer who's still alive on planet Earth will be raptured, will be caught up. Is, is, you don't find rapture in the King James, New King James Version of the Bible. What you find is we'll be caught up together. And we'll be caught up together to be with the Lord. Now, this is when um, the will be saved part of our salvation, the final part of our salvation, uh, will be completed. And that is when your... Uh, uh, physical body, and I listen, I've got 
my dear friend Richard Presswood, been in the car business uh, so many years, and so uh, I give a shout out to him. So for lack of a better word, this is when you trade in uh, the body that you have right now for a glorified body. I like to say it this way. You, you will one day have a body um, that is comparable to the born-again spirit that resides in this earthen vessel right now. Last week we looked at that passage out of Corinthians where the Bible says that we have a treasure in an earthen vessel. A treasure in an earthen vessel. If you look very carefully at, at, at what Jesus taught us about fasting, um, the, the religious leaders uh, were very critical of Jesus because His disciples didn't fast. And, and so in connection with their basically judging, condemning, criticizing, uh, Jesus said that you don't fast when the bridegroom is present, but that there's coming a day when His disciples will fast. Okay, And then immediately upon the heels of that, Jesus said, you do not put new wine in old wineskins. Right? Now, Again, there's a lot of people who look at that and they get very confused by, well, you know, why did Jesus say that? It almost doesn't seem connected with, with this subject at hand, fasting. It's absolutely connected with the subject at hand at fasting because, you know, no man puts uh, new wine in an old wineskin, but that is exactly what our Heavenly Father did. He put a treasure in our earthen vessel. He put new wine, the new wine of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our bodies, this physical body now has become a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so fasting is one of the ways that we keep our flesh in check. Amen. Uh, and, and so that's the connection that's related to that. Now, this glorified body, if you want to study a little more about what that is and what that looks like, Jesus had a prototype. Uh, in other words, that's the body when He, uh, remember He told uh, Mary to not touch Him in the garden uh, after He had resurrected. And um, so... Amen. We good? Praise God. All right, we're making sure we haven't lost connection again. Looks like everything is good here. Amen. Um, praise God. If somebody's watching on Facebook right now, uh, shoot John Mark a message or a text or something. Let him know that we're still streaming. I'm going to keep going either way. Amen. So, praise God. Uh, amen. I lost my train of thought. It's, it's all good. Praise God. Um, so we're talking about, yeah, I'm getting text messages that we're down again. Amen. All right, praise God. All right, I'm going to keep going. I don't know if we're recording or not. So, so Jesus had one of those on. Remember, the real you is a spirit. You're a spirit man. You're a spirit being, all right? So the real you is a spirit that, that, that wears a physical body, an earth suit. Amen. So Jesus told her not to touch him because he hadn't ascended to the Father yet. But when he returned from pouring his blood out on the altar there in heaven, which, by the way, speaks better things for you and me right now, when he, when he returned, um, he had a glorified body. This is why he could sit down and, and eat with them. They could touch him. Um, they, they could feel the wounds in his side. And then he could walk through a wall. Amen. Uh, so it, it, it was, again... It, I'm not here to try to teach on all this tonight, but it's a fascinating thing uh, to understand. And that's the body that we will uh, one day have. Praise God. Now, um, let's, let's, let's deal with a couple of other uh, thoughts along these lines. Uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. I'll put it up on the screen for us tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that He may instruct Him? 
but we have the mind of Christ. Now, again, this is one of the more amazing verses that we find in the Scriptures. We have the mind of Christ. Now, let's go back to our, uh, our illustration. And when we talk about having the mind of Christ, the, the best way that, that I would have been able to explain what that means is that when we were born again, we received the ability to process spiritual things. Think of, think of a, a, a computer processor, amen, that, that will process information. Now, there, there are, um, I happen to, uh, to use uh, Apple products, um, and, and so there are certain you know, programs and software that, that will not um, work in, uh, you know, in an Apple product, but will work in a, in a PC. Um, and vice versa. And so, in the same way, when it says we have the mind of Christ, we, we were given a new processor at the new birth so that we can now process spiritual things. Remember, 1 Corinthians tells us that spiritual things are foolishness to the natural man. He can't process those things. All right? So, um, one more and then we'll move on. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. It says this, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Amen. Now listen, I, I didn't make that up. This is, this is the Word of God, right? So back to, if you understand spirit, soul, and body, it will help you, again, understand so many things in the Bible. It'll, it'll uh, answer so many questions for us in the Bible. So again, let's go back to it. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things, alright? So remember, the mind and the brain are two separate things, okay? The, the brain is a physical organ, the mind is part of the soul. God created the brain in such a way as for the mind to interface with it. So think of the brain and the soul being all plugged in to it, so that the physical body was created, fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, there's nothing like it, any, any other thing that God created on this earth, there's nothing like the physical body. Uh, but again, it was created so marvelously and wonderfully so that it could give expression to the spirit and soul that's plugged into it. So, the brain is one thing, the mind is another. Now, you're going to have to let the Lord help you understand what that means and what that looks like, because... Um, Again, we, we need some... Remember, remember Hebrews 4, that the, that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword is able to separate the part of you that is spirit from the part of you that is soul from the part of you that is, that is body. And so again, if, if we start making this up as we go along, we're going to get lost. We've got to stay with what the Word of God uh, teaches us and what the Word of God reveals to us. But again, your mind um, and your brain... Some, there was, someone can be brain dead... We have all kinds of um, uh, testimonies of people who uh, died physically, left their body, and then returned to their body, and they had memories, right? Their mind went with them, in other words. Their brain was dead, but they were still thinking. Their brain was dead, but they still remembered after they came back and, 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 and jump-started, what have you. And we're plugged back into that. Amen. All right. So, 
when it says that you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things, he's talking about this part of you. Your, your born-again spirit knows all things. So if you're watching at home, you just look over at your wife, and you, you know, friend, neighbor, whoever, children, I'm a know-it-all. Amen. But obviously, we don't want to be prideful and arrogant about that. But you are a know-it-all. You know all things. But remember what we were talking about last week. It's one thing for it to be present here. It's another thing for it to be present here, right? So in order for it to go from here to here, it has to pass through the soul. This is, again, the renewing of the mind, all right? So you have an anointing of the Holy One, and you know all things. All right. Now, um, tonight... And I'm just doing this by faith. I'm not sure that we're even broadcasting. <laughs> but um, hopefully uh, we are getting this captured somehow, some way by recording, and we can post it later. Um, so I'm going to plow on through a little bit more of this uh, tonight. Um, let's, let's pick up where we left off. Um, I'll tell you what, before I do that, let's, let's, um, let's talk about one last thing. And, and um, we, we said that, Last week we said sin brought death and chaos to the triune man. And, and just to remind you that we were created in the image and likeness of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three, three yet one. And they work together in perfect synchronization, in perfect harmony, in perfect oneness, in perfect unity. And before Adam and Eve sinned, their spirit, soul, and body worked together in perfect harmony, perfect unity, perfect synchronization, perfect oneness. All right? But when they sinned and died spiritually, this part of them died, right? which meant they lost the eternal life and nature of God, and all that remained in them was biological existence. Okay? That's why when God said, if you eat the fruit, um, you, uh, you will surely die. A literal translation of that would, would read this way. Dying, you shall surely die. So again, watch me. Dying, they died instantly uh, when they ate the fruit. And then it took them uh, some time before the biological existence, which is fleeting, uh, drained, if you will, from their bodies. They disconnected here, and it was only a matter of time until the battery ran out there. We could say it that way, all right? So, so um, sin brought death and chaos to the triune man. And when we, when we talk about this, praise God, you, you see... The, one of the first things that happened when Adam and Eve sinned, disconnected from God, died spiritually, is, um, is that they experienced fear. Uh, and, and this was the first time a human being had ever experienced fear. Uh, because we weren't created for fear. Um, this is why you know, we're told to not let our hearts be troubled. Okay? Um, and so, what, what we have to uh, see and understand, if, you, if, if I'm kind of like, you know, distracted. Uh, there was a gentleman that, that had a furniture store uh, and did a lot of commercials when I was a kid. And, and he would always look at the camera and then he would like be looking to the side. So I'm kind of conscious about that. So there, people are feverishly working around me trying to uh, make sure that we've got the live stream up and running and that you can uh, dial into this. So, I mean, I apologize if I'm being a little bit distracted tonight. So they experienced fear. Um, what I'm calling just dominant negative emotions, right? And, and we said last week that we were, we were never, because this is the real you, remember, this is the real you, 
And your mind, emotions, and will, your soul was meant to serve and complement you. Your five senses, your outward man, your flesh, again, meant to serve and complement the real you. Never rule you. Never dominate you. Never control you. Okay? We were never meant to be controlled by our flesh. We were never meant to be dominated by negative emotions. Right? And all of this, again, is not what God originally intended. This is not how He created Adam and Eve. Sin produced these problems. Sin produced these issues. Now, let me, let me if I could, also just touch on one other thing here. Right? Because we're building up to um, the answer that, that our Father has provided for us. But I don't think we can fully appreciate the answer uh, uh, until we really understand the, the dilemma uh, or, or the situation that we were in. Uh, Paul eloquently says it this way, we were without God and we were without hope. Amen. In other words, we, we were separated from Him. We were spiritually dead without any possible conceivable way uh, to be reconnected to Him, to be made alive uh, again uh, on our own. But thanks be to God that He sent Jesus to seek and to save that which was lost. All right? So, this is very difficult. As a matter of fact, one of the things that I've been doing and I'll tell you this, one, just get you to pray for me, and, and two, for accountability. One of the things that I've been doing with, with some of the extra time that, that I've had over these last couple of weeks is I've been working on uh, my next book. Amen. And, um, and it's, it's a book on faith, working titles, faith matics. You've heard me say that before from the pulpit on Wednesday nights. And the Holy Spirit's been showing me some, some pretty amazing things about faith that I've never seen. Uh, before, never understood before. And one of, th- one of the things that he's showing me about faith is, is, that, is that faith is, are you ready? We've defined it different ways over the years just to help us better understand, better wrap our hearts and minds around it. But, but faith at its, at its very foundational, fundamental uh, aspect is an awareness of God. An awareness of God. Now, if you've read my first book, you know that we talk about uh, faith as the ability to see beyond this created realm. Um, we've talked about hope as the ability to see beyond what you're going through right now. Amen. You have hope that this coronavirus uh, stuff is going to be over with soon. Amen. Confident expectation. I can see beyond it. I can see better days. Uh, I was thinking about youth camp um, and, and things of that nature that we got planned for this summer. And surely we're going to be enjoying all of that when, when those days come. Amen. Um, and so... Hope is the ability to see beyond what you're dealing with right now. Love is the ability to see beyond yourself. Okay? This is why the greatest of these is love. So watch this. If you can't see beyond yourself, you'll never see beyond what you're going through right now. And if you can't see beyond what you're going through right now, you'll never be able to see beyond this created realm. Because beyond this created realm, in in what the Bible calls the invisible, beyond this created realm is, is of course the kingdom of God. And, and all the answers, every spiritual blessing, um, every uh, thing that pertains to life and godliness that belongs to you is in that realm of the Spirit, right? So again, faith is our awareness of God. It's our awareness, or, or we could say our consciousness of Him. Amen. Adam and Eve could see Him clearly. Adam and Eve um, could, and if you just rejoined us, amen, we've been just preaching house fire up here. Amen. No, not a house fire. You know what I'm saying. Praise God. Um, we've, been, we've been going at it. And uh, not sure how much of all this you've been able to get. I just got the thumbs up from the back of the room that we're back live. Amen. And um, so we'll try to, amen, we'll sort through all this and see what's 
captured what wasn't, if we need to go back and review some of what we've already covered, um, then, uh, praise God, we will do that. <sighs> Amen. So I forgot what I was saying again, so we're just all up in all this stuff. So God consciousness, God awareness. Adam and Eve, before they sinned, um, they, they were aware of, of God. and it, It's what I call being God conscious, okay? And, and, and what I mean by God conscious or God consciousness, I mean that, that they were aware of God, but every, everything that they knew, uh, they saw it through a spiritual lens. Um, without getting too far out on you tonight, think about this for a moment, okay? They were so aware of spiritual things that Lucifer, now known as Satan, comes to Eve embodied in a serpent and has a conversation with her and this doesn't frighten her. This doesn't seem odd to her. This doesn't seem bizarre or strange to her. You Remember in the Old Testament when the prophet was surrounded by an enemy army and his servant was wigging out and, and, the, and, the, and the prophet said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And all of a sudden, he became instantly aware of the realm of the Spirit. And he saw the, the armies of the living God surrounding and making look very pitiful uh, the, the, the enemy army that had surrounded the prophet. Amen. So, I'm, I'm offering to you that, that before Adam and Eve sinned, that they were aware of that spirit realm as much, or it's, it's not that they were more aware of the spirit realm than were the physical realm, but they saw the realm of the physical through the, the lens of the spiritual. It, without this, without the, a spiritual understanding uh, uh, of, the, of the heavenly realm, um, there's nothing to provide context uh, for, for this uh, 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 physical world. And, and I mean no disrespect to anyone who suffers with a, with a physical disability, but every human being born after Adam was born with a disability. Amen. We were born with a disability, only able to see the physical realm and unable to see the realm of the Spirit, which meant there's nothing to provide context for what we are experiencing in the physical realm. But thanks be to God that He sent Jesus to save us, and He also gave every one of us the measure of faith. Amen. Because faith, again, is how we connect with and are become aware of, conscious of this uh, realm of the Spirit. So let's, again, we're talking about what happened when Adam and Eve sinned and, and the fallout that we all um, deal with now because of that. Okay? And so we see that they were only God conscious until they sinned. When they sinned, they became God conscious and sin conscious. Meaning what? Meaning they became aware of their sin, but now. Let's, let's really dial it in here for a moment. Let's put our thinking helmets on for a moment. They didn't lose their awareness of God. Now they are both aware of God and aware of their sin. This is why they hid from God when He came, as He always did, to visit with them in the cool of the day, cool of the evening. Right Now, in addition to being God-conscious and now sin-conscious, one other thing happened. Immediately upon becoming sin-conscious, they became self-conscious. They became self-aware. Right? So, 
They went from only God conscious. Let me, let me give you an example of what I mean by only God conscious. When Adam said, I hid because I was naked, and God said, who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? Well, notice now what's happened. For the first time in human existence, certainly not the last time, but for the first time in human existence, Adam has come to a conclusion about himself that did not come from his father, that did not come from his creator. He has determined something to be true about himself and believes it to be true about himself, and it, and, and it didn't come from God. It came from a source other than God. Right? So again, God conscious, sin conscious, now self conscious. Okay? So this is what was lost when we lost our spiritual connection with, 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 with God. And with each passing generation, this is very important, it's in all bold here in, 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 my, in my notes. With each passing generation, mankind became less and less God-conscious, less and less God-aware, and more and more sin-conscious and self-conscious, self-aware. And we see that this continued into the days of Noah when the Bible says that every thought in every heart was only evil continually. And this is when God, again, judged the earth, saved Noah. You know the story. Amen. And then, of course, we see that He separated Abraham and the descendants of Abraham as a people unto Himself to preserve a bloodline uh, through which He could eventually bring us our Savior. Somebody say amen to that. Praise God. I've been listening. Some of you know I listen to Keith Moore a lot. I've been listening to him as, as he preaches, uh, you know, again, to an empty building. And, uh, and, he, and, he's, and he's, he says that he, he sticks his ear up to the camera and he says, I can almost hear you saying, I can hear you saying amen through the camera. So, amen. I'll, I'll steal a, a Brother Keith Moore line. I can hear you saying amen through the camera. Praise God. All right. Now, um, let's do this. Praise God. Um, Romans chapter 7 so again, sin brought death and chaos to the triune man. Romans chapter 7, verse 24 asks a question. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? In other words, we're in a situation that we cannot escape from our, on our own. And, and who's going to help us? Who's going who's to deliver us? Who's going to bring us out? And of course, we know the answer to that is our elder brother, our Savior, uh, Jesus Himself, Jesus the Messiah. Um, another verse, Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to find us. He came to rescue us. I remind you tonight that when Lucifer fell and took a third of the holy angels with him, we have absolutely no record of Father God even asking Him if He wanted to work it out or if He wanted to come back. But when we fell, when Adam fell and the descendants of Adam fell with Him, we see that not only did God try to bring us back, but He sent His only Son to seek us and to, and, and, and to find us and to save us and to pay the penalty for us. Now, let's turn to John chapter 3. Amen. John the third chapter. And um, praise God, John the third chapter. And let's begin um, at verse number 1. John chapter 3 and verse number 1. Now, those who have been uh, with us from the start uh, here in discipleship class, uh, you know that there are certain passages that we visit uh, frequently. Amen. Early and often, as I say. And, um, and this is one of them. 
John chapter 3 uh, contains what I believe to be one of the most important conversations that's ever taken place on planet earth. And it's a conversation that Jesus had with a man named Nicodemus. And I'm so thankful, amen, uh, that we have this recorded. The Holy Spirit obviously uh, inspired John, uh, the Apostle John, to, to record this conversation because we do not find it um, in uh, Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Now, I'll show you, if not tonight, we'll get to it next week, I'll show you where John is not the only one to speak of the new birth. It was obviously prophesied in the Old Testament, but we also see that Peter, in his epistles, uh, talk about uh, being born again or being born a second time. Right? But what we have here, of course, uh, perhaps the most popular Bible verse uh, in all the Word of God, John 3.16, that is a part of this conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. Right? So let's begin at verse number 1. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees. I'm going to put uh, our, our uh, drawing back up on the board there. Amen. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you were a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, just to review some of the things that we've already covered in great detail uh, in, those, in those first classes that, that uh, I've mentioned a few times already tonight, is we see that Nicodemus did not buy into what so many of his uh, colleagues uh, uh, in Judaism believed. They believed that Jesus was undeniably doing miracles. They just believed he was doing it by the power of the devil. They did not believe it was of God. Nicodemus knew that was preposterous. He, he had witnessed firsthand Jesus do amazing miracles, signs and wonders. Um, and, and because he was uh, a Pharisee, um, very educated, uh, one of the more prominent men in, in all of Jewish society, Jewish culture. Um, but the Pharisees in particular believed in the supernatural. They believed in healing, they believed in the resurrection from the dead, and these kinds of things. And so along comes Jesus, right, that you know, they're trying to find Him in the Scriptures and couldn't because of, you know, they're blinded, for instance, uh, they said nothing good comes out of Nazareth. They knew the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. They didn't do their homework. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, although He held from Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem. Again, there's a long teaching there. We're not going to try to get into all that. But again, you have to understand, because Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and he comes to Jesus by cover of night, because they had already been threatened, anyone who associated with Jesus or followed Jesus would be put out of the synagogue using that kind of uh, religious manipulation against them. So he comes by night, uh, and, and, and he put a lot on the line here. Notice he was risking uh, his career. He was risking uh, everything. Um, because again, the curiosity, I, I don't think curiosity is the right kind of word. I believe there's a hunger in him. Uh, you know, sometimes it's very easy for us to stereotype all the religious, religious leaders, because remember, they're the ones that, Stripped Jesus naked, beat him almost to death, and nailed him to a tree, right? But, but in other words, they weren't all that way. Amen. And I believe Nicodemus, because we know Nicodemus became one of Jesus' disciples, right? Um, Nicodemus didn't understand all there was to understand about Jesus, but he knew that God was with him. And he was trying to figure out, was he a prophet? Was, you know, how was he doing what he was doing? And Jesus gives the answer to this question. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, the, all these classes are recorded. You can go back and, and, and look at th those classes, watch them, listen to them. What Jesus is saying here is that the, the signs and wonders that Nicodemus was witnessing was not uh, coming from the model of a prophet. It wasn't that model of ministry. That it was actually the kingdom of God breaking through here on planet earth. That, that the miracles were being performed because the kingdom was here. It was the rule of the kingdom. It was the realm of God's, uh, of, of God's kingdom. His resources. All of that was producing the miracles that, that Nicodemus uh, was seeing. But remember the question, how, how are you doing these signs? We know you couldn't do them unless God be with you. Jesus says, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay? He will not be aware of it. I'm going to go back to uh, some things the Lord's been showing me, been working on, right? He'll not be, it'll be right here, right here next to you, and you'll never know it. You'll never see it. You'll never uh, be aware of it, okay? Unless you're born again. But, but now i got good news. If you're born again, guess what? You can see it. You can be aware of it, right? So Nicodemus said to Jesus, verse 4, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So now Jesus went from, you've got to be born again to see it, to be aware of it, but he also now went even deeper. He said, you must be born again in order to enter the kingdom, to become a citizen of the kingdom, to, to, to become a part of God's kingdom. Remember, Jesus came to this earth and He brought the kingdom of God with Him to the earth. So, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So, being born of water is the first time every human being is born, they're born of water. Your mother's water breaks and, and, and you're born of physical water. So he's talking about being born the first time physically, which is kind of, you know, Captain Obvious, right? In other words, if you're not born physically, there's no way to be born a second time spiritually. So Jesus said you must be born of water, you must be born physically, and then you must be born a second time, you must be born of the Spirit. Born of water and born of the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so he goes on to say, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, you hear the sound, but can't tell where it comes from, where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. What he's saying here, <coughs> excuse me, what he's saying here, and this verse again is very confusing to a lot of people, um, if, if, if I see a tree moving in my backyard, um, I don't think there's an ape or a grizzly bear out there shaking it. I think the wind's blowing. I can't see the wind, but when I see the tree move, I'm seeing the result the wind is producing. So when Jesus says the wind blows where it wishes, you, don't, you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from, where it goes, so is everyone who's born of the Spirit. Jesus is talking about producing miracles, visible signs, from an invisible source. He's saying you, you can't see the wind, but you can see what the wind's producing. In the same way, you can't see the kingdom, you can only see what the kingdom is producing. But, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Those who are born of the Spirit, remember what Jesus said in John 14, can do the works that He did, and even greater works, because He was going to His Father. Now, let's try to wind this down tonight. I appreciate those of you who have 
stayed with us to the end. I know that um, we've had some technical issues. Please know, um, Jake and I were here last night. I mean, we, working all these things. We we uh, we test them and test them and test them. And, and so anyway, just be in prayer with us about this. I know it's the enemy trying to interrupt it and frustrate uh, these things, and and um, we're not going to be interrupted or frustrated. Amen. So. Um, thank you for staying with us. Um, when we, where we're going next week is we're gonna we're gonna talk about this new birth. And a lot of times we say, well, you know, I've I've been saved, and and that's wonderful. Amen. Being saved means you've received salvation. And there are a lot of folks who have received salvation that have no idea what they received when they received it. There are a lot of people who've been born again, but they have no idea what happened to them when they were born again. One of my favorite definitions of discipleship is finding out who you became the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus because when you were born a second time, you became a new creation. You became something that you weren't before, but most people don't know who they became. They still think of themselves in light of the person they were before instead of this new creation that they are, they now, be, now are in Christ Jesus. And because we, remember what we said last week, because we still think like the old man, we still live like the old man, even though we're not that old man anymore. So we're going to break some of that down. But when we, when we talk about being saved, okay, if you ask the average Christian, you know, what were you saved from? Most people say, Pastor Mark, that's, that's a silly question. I learned that in Sunday school. I was saved from my sin. Well, yes, um, but remember, sin is behavior, okay? Um, sin is something that we do here, all right? Um, so what I want to show you from the Scripture is, yes, you were saved from your sin, but it wasn't just that you were saved from your sin. You were actually saved, are you ready? You were saved from the corrupted seed of Adam. Okay, now that's, that's really important, and um, maybe I'm doing like they do on, uh, on television sometimes, the cliffhanger, right? I'm, I'm going to leave you hanging. Amen. So we're going to get into this next week. But you were saved from the corrupted seed of Adam. The Bible teaches that when you were born the first time, you were born of corrupted seed. This is why you must be born a second time of a seed that cannot be corrupted. Amen. And so when you were born again, you weren't just saved from your sin, you were saved from the corrupted seed of Adam. So remember, our problems went deeper than our behavior, and our problems went deeper than our thinking. Our problems went all the way to the spirit level of our existence. And salvation in the new birth is God's answer for our spirit problem. Amen. Let me pray for you tonight, and, uh, and we'll shut it down for this evening. Father, thank you for your great love. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity that we've had tonight to share your truth and your wisdom. Lord, we've covered a lot of ground, a lot of varied subjects, Lord, but again, when we teach spirit, soul, and body, it kind of lends itself to that. Father, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for um, the love that you have for us. Thank you for uh, coming and sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming to seek us out and to, and to save us. Um, sometimes, Lord, we, we use the expression that we found you, that I found the Lord. Well, before we ever found you, you found us. And we thank you for that. We thank you for this Easter season, Lord. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. We pray again for our leaders. We pray, Lord, that you continue to give them wisdom. 
We take authority in the name of Jesus over coronavirus. Thank You, Father, that we are protected, not because we're good people, but because we believe, Father, we have faith in Your blessing upon us and our families. And Lord, I thank You tonight that Your hand is on us. And Lord, we're not just going to survive this uh, unique season. We're going to thrive during it. And we're going to come back stronger than ever before. We thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Tell somebody next to you good things coming. And if they're your family, shake their hands, hug their necks, and love them in Jesus. Amen. And we'll talk to you on Sunday morning at 1030. Praise God.